that there's uh, one thing that you and I need to understand about Christmas if it's going to be more than lights and trees and, and uh, family and all the good things we surround Christmas with. I want you to get, give me a few moments this morning and let's consider this one gift that changes everything. I mean, I, I, and listen, I'm a pastor, you would expect me to almost say that, but I mean it. This one thing will change your life. So whether you're sitting here today, this morning, uh, as a guest of New Hope, you've come and you're not sure who Christ is or you've read a lot about the Bible and you've got a good foundation on who Jesus claimed to be, whoever you are, whether you're a believer, you're not quite sure, a seeker, you're just not sure, welcome. Because this gift is for every single one of us. And this gift will change your life. And that gift is redemption. Now stay with me. We're going to look this morning just for a few moments in a very not typical Christmas passage that's not your typical manger scene and everything that occurs in the Gospels we normally see at Christmas. But this passage is going to show us what that means and why this redemption is so significant to your life. I want you to notice what Paul says in Galatians about the coming of Christ. And he starts in verse 4 and he says, But when the time had fully come, God did something. He sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, that would be you and I, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship, and that's daughters and sons. Because you are his sons or daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, I love this, Abba, what? Father. Abba, Father, verse 7, he then says, So you are no longer, no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are a child, God has made you also a what? An heir. That's a pretty good inheritance, if you ask me. Now look at the very beginning of the story once again, and Paul says that God did this on purpose, and his timing was perfect, and his son was perfect that he sent he says at that, in verse 4, once again, he set the time had fully, the time had fully come. What, what was perfect about the timing of Jesus' birth? We can look at history and tell that. This is just two examples. Alexander the Great had come long before Christ had come along, and he conquered the known world at the time. And one of the things that Alexander the Great did before the coming of Christ was to establish the Greek language as the universal language around the known world. In other words, it was the language of economy. It was the language of the cultures that could go across. Regardless of country or culture, you, everybody knew Greek. It was the established language of the day. Well, that was perfect because God's word said all the way back in Genesis that when this Messiah comes, when this one is born into this world, hoping, by the way, to be born into your life, it's going to be a worldwide impact. It's not going to just impact Jerusalem. It's not going to just impact the Middle East. It's going to change the world. It's going to be a gift of redemption to the world. Well, how could that happen? 
Well, I would say one way that could happen is when there's a shared language around the known world. And guess what? It just so happens that God inspired people to write the New Testament in what? The Greek language. Well, it's one thing to have the, the shared language around the known world. They didn't have the internet and social media quite clearly 2,000 years ago, and that was probably a blessing to some degree. But nonetheless, how does the gospel, how does this good news get around the world? Well, that's where the Romans come in. Years later, the Romans took over the known world. They were the new uh, rulers in town, if you will. And there's something called Pax Romana, and it means Roman peace. And that essentially means they're good at building roads. They established an economy that was vital around the, the whole known world through this, this road system. By the way, those roads are still around 2,000 years later. I wish we could learn something in Texas about building roads from the Romans, but that's another sermon. Nonetheless, these roads were built and it allowed free travel around and it established a stability in that kingdom at the time. But it also established, guess what? An ability for the gospel of Christ, the redemption of Christ to go worldwide. So what God said all the way back in Genesis and through the prophets that this would come, this one would come, this Messiah would come, and he would offer an ability for redemption, not just in Jerusalem, not just among the Jews and the Hebrews, not just in the Middle East, but around the world, which was a big claim back then. But guess what? God's timing is perfect. And I can look at history and show you that. That's just two examples. But he also said that God's son was perfect. How do I know that? Look at what it says after it says this was the full time. God sent his son, verse 4, born of a woman, but he was born under the law like you and I. But he came for a purpose. Verse 5, did you see it? To redeem. He came to redeem those under the law, which is every single one of us. I'll get to under the law in a moment, but let's look at the word redeem. What does that word mean? What does it mean that God offers, that Christ offers redemption? You see, the basic core meaning of the word means to buy or to buy back. And the picture is somebody offering money, offering resources to free a slave. That slave is in chains. He or she cannot free him or herself. Somebody from the outside with the ability and the power to do so had to free the slave or the slave would not be free. That's the picture of redemption. According to God's word, we are, doesn't matter whether you acknowledge or not, you're enslaved without Christ. And Christ comes along and he redeems us. And notice that he does so when we're under the law. What does all that mean? Basically, that means, my friend, that you cannot measure up and I cannot measure up. God's word in, in Romans 3.23 says it very simply. All, not some, all, what? Have sinned and to what? You know the rest, right? Are y'all awake? And fall short of the glory of God. That means me, that means you, that means the Pope, that means everybody. Nobody has left out. In other words, we cannot measure up. You and I could never earn, never will be able to earn the forgiveness and love of God, period. But the good news is that Jesus did. Where you and I cannot fulfill the law, he did. And he offers us this gift of redemption. So the redemption, the freedom that you can know in Christ is either something, whoever you are today, you either receive it or you walk away from it. You either allow him to transform your life one day at a time through this gift of redemption, or you don't. 
It's a choice you've got to choose, you've got to make, and I have got to make. But he says he came for a purpose, that you and I can no longer be slaves, but we can be free. But look at the practical implications, last two verses. He says, because you are, now he's assuming you've just received the gift, right? Redemption, because, verse 6, you are his sons or daughters, God sent his spirit into his, and through his son into who? Our hearts. And he says what? Abba, Father. You've heard the word, some of you have heard that word Abba before. That, it's not the rock band, by the way. He's referring to a term of endearment among the Hebrew people. Children were re referred to their fathers as Abba, Daddy. Papa. It was a term of endearment and, and it, it referred to intimacy. So what is the significance of redemption today in your life and my life if we choose by faith in Christ to receive this gift that he offers and he was born into this world to purposely give? Number one, it is intimacy with God. Now I'm going to make an assumption here today and it may be a wrong one and I would certainly love a conversation with anybody that, that this is a wrong assumption about but I'm going to assume that there's no atheist sitting in the room today. There could be and welcome if you are by the way. Uh, you See, I, I would assume that you have not come here today believing at Christmas time that poof, I just existed all of a sudden, right? I'm going to assume that you and I at least conclude, whoever you are, whether you're a believer or not, that you conclude that you were created, that you didn't just, the winds blew and here you are, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So you know what the Bible teaches and what Jesus exemplified is you can not only know God, but you can know him intimately. You see, Jesus didn't come to establish a religion, my friend. Listen, he came to establish an ability to have a life-changing relationship with God himself. You can know God on an intimate basis. You too can know him as Abba, Father. You see, that was shocking in Jesus' day when he did that because they had concluded you can't know God intimately. There's people that conclude that today, by the way. You cannot know God on an intimate basis. But Jesus comes along and he says, no, you can. And he called his father Abba, and it shocked them when he did. And he made a way for us to know God on an intimate basis. But there's one final thing I want you to notice. Notice what he says in verse 7. After he says, the Spirit of God will reside within you. You receive this redemption and you'll know him intimately. He says, verse 7, so you are no longer a what? Hello, you there? You heard it, right? You're no longer a slave. What does that assume? You were a slave. Good, you're with me. You're awake. That's awesome. You're no longer a slave. God's word assumes you are. You ever met somebody that can't live fully in the day because they're carrying around the baggage of yesterday? You ever met somebody, I won't ask you if you've been that person, don't point fingers, of course. You ever met somebody that's hanging on to malice or bitterness or maybe guilt and they can't live abundantly in the day? Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you abundantly. Life as God has it. And how many people in our world today are walking around with the baggage of yesterday? Maybe you are today. You know what redemption does? Redemption takes your baggage and takes it away. You do not have to live in the past, the baggage of the past. You can live fully with the redemption of Christ. And when you do, 
you go from slave to what? Child of God, loved child of God who has an awesome inheritance. Listen, what does that mean? That means you can live fully today and you can live with a hope for eternity. It is a full life in the here and now and a hope that you cannot have apart from Christ in eternity. I love this story of a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you're not familiar with him, was a pastor in Germany during Hitler's rise to power in Germany during World War II, the pre and, and during World War II. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was one of those few people and pastors in Germany that stood up against Hitler and, and just called out the evil that he was and his policies and practices were in only the war and murdering millions of Jews, etc. Well, Dietrich Bonhoeffer didn't get an award at least in Germany, for taking that stand. He got put in jail. And ultimately, he was brought before the firing squad. And while he was sitting in that German cell, because he stood up for what was right, on a Christmas period of time, leading up to Christmas, he wrote a friend a letter. And I'm going to show you just a little excerpt of what he said to the friend. It was interesting. This is around Christmas time again. And he said, A prison cell in which one waits, hopes, does various unessential things, and is completely dependent on the fact that the door of freedom has to be opened. How? From the outside. It is not a bad picture of Advent, of redemption. Now, that's saying something for a man sitting in jail. He thinks he knows if his life's going to end or not. But he recognizes if he was going to know freedom, not just from jail, but the freedom to live abundantly, to live a life worth living and have a hope for the future, he was going to have to receive this gift of redemption. That jail cell had to be opened from the outside. Dietrich Bonhoeffer knew he couldn't open it himself. How about you? Are you tired yet? Are you try, tired of trying to measure up yet? Are you tired of trying to make a life worth living on your own yet? You don't have to. But let me encourage you, stop it. Believer or non-believer alike, stop it because it doesn't work. But what you can do, and I pray today you will choose to do, is to receive this gift of redemption through Christ. You see, Jesus was born into this world. His desire is to be born into your life. And that's when he begins to transform you and I from the inside out. Let's pray together. Father, your, your grace is inexplicable. I mean, we can sing and, and teach about it for millenniums and we can't begin to even scratch the surface of how much you love us and how hard you pursue each one of us. And so I pray whoever is sitting here this morning, if it's a believer that has drifted from the redemptive life, I pray we'll re-embrace the redemption we have in Christ and we can live in intimacy with Jesus once again with Christ, follow you one day at a time wherever you lead. And, and Father, know the freedom of being forgiven, the freedom from guilt. And for anyone sitting here today that's not quite sure of Christ, I pray they'll pursue conversations with me or others this morning. And I pray that, Father, through how you do it, through your spirit, you'll draw them into this, this gift of redemption. And this Christmas will be the life-changing 
experience that it was meant to be. When Jesus was born into this world, Father, may you be born into each of our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we do pray.